Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast. We made it into the football season. Week one in the books. Looking forward to week number two. Holy cow, last weekend was incredible. College football, the NFL, Monday night doubleheader, and we are full throttle heading into a Browns-Bengals-Baker-Burrow Thursday night football matchup. By the way, I want to say a big thank you to everybody that joined the pregame show last Saturday. It was a ton of fun. We're going to do it two hours before every OU kickoff. Mike Steely and I talking about the game and just having fun. So join us next time. Again, two hours before Oklahoma's kickoff. Mike Steely and I look for it on my Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. I tweet the link. It's easy to follow. And it was just great to be back in a game day setting, talking football. And again, thank you all for watching. I was loving how many people jumped in and how many people have reached out and and mentioned how much they enjoyed it. So thank you all again. Two hours before every OU kickoff. Mike Steely and myself with our live stream pregame show. If you haven't done so already, do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, five stars would be amazing, review the podcast if you want to leave a nice comment, and share the podcast with your friends. Don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can contact me on Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. You can also follow me on Instagram, Colby.Daniels. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Let's jump into it. Today's guest is a friend, former All-American linebacker at Oklahoma. He is Rufus Alexander. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? How's it going, man? Long time, no sit down and talk sports with you. It's always fun to do that. You know what? Sometime soon, I feel like we've got to just sit on a patio, get some cold beers, watch football, and just hang out. It's been way too long. It's been very. Yeah, it's been too long of a time, man. It's, it's crazy though with the with the climate that football's in right now, and. Man, sitting on the patio is kind of one of those things he's kind of took for granted. So I would Absolutely. Love to I know it. That, I mean, like, I do that at home all the time, and I'm like, man, I, w- I miss the days of just, like, going to a bar and sitting outside and having a big screen television and hanging with the bros and having beers and, you know, just that's a very simple thing that, that you just don't realize how much it means to you until it's gone. True, true. I mean, you can see it everywhere, too. Uh, and, and sports is feeling it too, you know, the NFL and all that stuff and what's going on with football in general, man. NFL has kind of looked very strange. Even college football, all of it looks really strange. OU with having, what, 25% of fans there, yeah. I believe it was. And NFL with zero, it's kind of looks strange. And they, it looks, it's okay on TV because they're pumping in the crowd noise, but it still just looks odd watching it on TV when they pan to the crowd. Yeah, I was about to say, over the weekend, I watched football all day Saturday with the college games, all day Sunday with the NFL games, and I don't think there was ever a moment, really, while the game was happening where I felt like it was a weird atmosphere or I noticed there not being fans. Like, from a broadcast standpoint, the pumped-in crowd noise worked, and it never really felt different to me. The only time that I would be reminded of it, and I remember specifically a shot in the Baltimore-Cleveland game. Lamar Jackson is running to the sideline, and he steps out of bounds. And as soon as he steps out of bounds, they go to the camera guy that's standing right there who's on the ground, and he's clearly, like, on his knee or something shooting up. And Lamar Jackson is right in front of him, and then behind him, you can basically see half of the empty stadium. And then it just kind of hits you like, 
how weird that must be for a guy like Lamar Jackson, who just ran for this first down. Normally, that place would be going nuts. And he does that and picks up the first down, and it's just dead silent, and there's nobody in there. But it's, it's shots like that that kind of remind you. Otherwise, I kind of get lost in the action and don't realize that there's nobody there, I guess, from a broadcast standpoint. As a former player, I mean, you can see out there and see the intent and the way they're moving. It's kind of odd for those guys. Uh, I mean, it looked just it's like a, just a long, long practice for them. It sort of looked like on, like just looking at those guys go about doing their business and stuff. I mean, they're getting paid to do things, but to you know to play the game. But I mean, it's still I'm sure for them it would be odd. The crowd noise. There's no there's no meaning to a home game and away game. I mean, you're just playing in a different stadium, a different arena. And it's all you're doing and seeing different colors. It's all it's all it is, and there's no home. There's no home field advantage uh, in that situation. So, but watching some, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of it. I watched a little bit of a little bit of football, and um, as far as um, NFL, and it just you know the crowd noise kind of made it seem like it was normal. And then when it went to like the the actual stadium, it was like yeah. holy crap, there's nobody there. <laughs> that has got to be weird. It's got to be weird as all get out, man. I would be. It would be hard for me to be mentally checked in. Uh, a full like four game like that. I've heard this stated a couple times in different sports throughout this time period where there there are no fans in the stands. And I heard it the other day in a UFC fight. This guy was like, "Man, there was this moment in the fight where we're throwing blows, and generally that's when the crowd is just losing their shit, going wild." And he's like, "I feed off that, and that gives me even more of a drive to keep punching." And he was like, "It was weird not to have that and not to feel." that emotion in the building that that I feed off of. And I think that, you know, maybe it doesn't impact every single play, but but certainly, I mean, you know this as a defensive player, it's third and 12 defensively. The place going nuts for a defensive stop in some way has to kind of inspire you and just kind of gives you a little bit of energy, right? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, it, sure, it definitely it does. And then a lot of times crowd noise sometimes affects the guys communicating on on the offensive line. I mean, me being a defensive person at home and it affects their communications and you get false starts or you get a late jump by the guy because they don't hear the snap count and everything goes on silent nowadays. But also just the communication that somebody's moving and they got to make a check and you got to get word down the line and they can't do that. That does, that affects the game a lot of times in key moments. And like that fighter says, you know, you're, you're punching a guy and you keep on punching, the crowd's going crazy, and it just fuels you to keep on going until the referee takes you off. Uh, it's all those things that I think, I think people who never played the, played the game as far as at a high level, or even, even when you played it in high school, guys that never really played it in high school don't know the effects of playing sports and having fans there. It's so, I mean, a high school kid, you be in practice, and it'll feel like a practice if another team comes and play against you, and you're just like, dang, I done been through a, to a scrimmage and playing against another school. Another school. This is exactly what this feel like. And you can hear your coach yelling and all this and that stuff. So it's just it's a little bit different, and I think people that said the fans, that, that same fans in different stadiums don't matter, home field advantage don't matter, are guys that really – Either one never played whenever there's a, a ruckus crowd in, uh, in there, never been in that atmosphere playing in a game that has that kind of significance of a meaning, being at basketball, being at football, 
uh, being whatever the sport is and getting the crowd behind you, those people have never played those sports or never had that, that, that experience in their lives. Before I ask you what you're doing and, and let you kind of share with everybody what you've got going on, I, I do have to go back to one of the first times we ever met and, and tell a story real quick. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but this is one of my favorite stories. So it was one of the first times you were ever filling in back in like 2013. I just remember I was still doing that morning show, I think from 9 to 11, and I had just finished. I don't know what I was doing, but I was still in the building. I hadn't left yet. I was having a conversation, I think, with somebody and next thing I know, our boss is flying down the hallway toward the studio. Just curious what's happening, what's going on. I, I like follow to see if there's an issue or there's a problem or, or whatever. He flies into the studio room as soon as, as soon as the show goes to a break. And you're sitting there and he says, Rufus, you said shit on the radio. And you just look at him and you're like, no, I didn't. He's like, yes, you did. I was just listening. I heard you. You said shit on the radio. You can't say shit. You looked at him completely serious, straight face. You're like, I did not say shit. And so he says, well, then what did you say? And you go, I said, shit. And I like, (laughs) I lost my shit. I was laughing so hard. And the frustration on his face was so amazing because he was just like, what? Shit ends with T. Shit is with a D. S-H-I-D. Shit. <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. I didn't say shit, man. I was, yeah. It was shit. Yeah. Shit and shit, two different words. Right. He was <laughs> panicked when, when he heard that. I think I said it multiple times, too, in that segment. That's I amazing. I said it multiple times. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Anyway, I, I just wanted to... to tell that story because that was one of the first times that I think I'd ever seen you in the studio or anything like that. And the look on Randy's face was just priceless. I'll never forget it. Oh yeah, it was. Randy was motoring down there too. He was, Rufus, you said shit. I was like, no, I said shit. God bless. Yeah. It was so good. My guy, Randy. Yeah. Love Randy. All right. So you've got a new job. Tell everybody what you're doing. Yep. Well, I still do insurance. But, you know, my, pa- my passion in life has always been to help kids in high school and help kids in any way. I mean, if it was either if it were training, teaching them basketball or wherever, whatever it is. But um, a friend of mine called me, uh, um, Carter Whitson. Uh, we played at OU together. He was a walk-on. Awesome dude. He got the coaching job, the head coaching job at Putnam City, the, the Putnam City, the original. And he asked me to come in and be his defensive coordinator. And I said, well, heck yeah, I would love to do it. Uh, 6A football in Oklahoma. Uh, the caliber of kids in Oklahoma is getting better as far as football players go. And, I mean, they've, all, they've been good. I think the skill position right now in the state of Oklahoma has been a hotbed for other schools to come and get players. And um, I just want to be a part of getting other players in the college and stuff as a uh, high school coach was one of the biggest reasons why I got into college to play football. One of the biggest reasons why I even played the sport of football. So to um, for me, my, my goal is to help some kids get into college and play uh, Division One, D2, the whatever it is, and change their lives uh, as they get older and become young men in the world. How much fun are you having? So I'm the I'm the defensive coordinator though, huh? Are you out there with the pads knocking people over? I mean, I can't imagine that you're just one of those coaches that tells people what to do. I feel like you're right in the middle of all the action. 
I'm in the middle of the action. I don't put on any pads. Uh, I don't have to, uh, <laughs> but I do. I do step through a few drills and stuff, and you know, and like you know, push and show and all this and that stuff. And some kids are like, "Well, coach ain't got no pads." I'm like, "Bro, you can come at me. I'll be fine. I'll be okay." And I mean, there was one practice we did in the indoor, and all the kids had, I think, on full pads. And I said, I'll step sub in as a linebacker. And some of the offensive linemen were coming at me, and I was dipping underneath them. He's like, Coach, man, I'm going to hit you. I'm like, dude, trust me. You can be, you can go ahead and go full go. I'll be able to dip under your pads. You will not be able to just annihilate me, with even with you having full pads on. <laughs> so it was kind of funny, you know, some of the kids, they, they, they don't, they don't understand. They kind of don't didn't understand that I kind of know what I'm doing and how how to move and stuff, and don't need shoulder pads to really get where I'm supposed to get football wise and know how to get out of people's way when the running backs running at me full speed. I mean, I'm not gonna sit there and try to tackle that guy, but I can play through offensive linemen and stuff. So demonstrating and all that stuff and playing plays and teaching kids how to call the calls right, right, use their voices and all that stuff. Man, it's been been fun and you're correct i'm not i'm not one of those coaches that just stand there stand there and be like you go left you go right you go here i'm out there throwing balls trying to throw darts through guys hands i'm trying to throw the ball through a few guys' chest guys one of the guys came and asked me man coach why are you throwing the ball so hard it's like because quarterback ain't gonna throw it straight to you You're on defense you got to make that amazing play I love it. Yeah, I, I just imagine you, I mean, somebody doesn't do a play right, and you step in, and you're like, run it again! And then you're you're tracking somebody down to the sideline, or like, I, I that's just, I, I imagine it kind of like a Terry Tate. Remember those commercials? Like a Terry Tate type yeah, scenario. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big reload guy. Reload! And I'm also a big, whenever the game, I mean, there's a few times in games I've met players, like, at the hash, asking them, what the heck did you do wrong? Why, were you, why are you doing that, walking them all the way to the sideline? I have the straight-up Coach Venables look. <laughs> Early days Coach Venables, and you can Just rewind to where crazy, he's going crazy. That crazy glimmer in his eye. Yep, got the beat eyes and just pissed yeah. off that a kid did something wrong, and I'm meeting him halfway in the field and walking him all the way to the sideline. That is me to a T. And then I come back and, you know, love the kid up and be like, you know, hey, man, you know, this is what we want. This is an all. The craziest thing about high school football is, they have huddle sideline. If they had huddle sideline whenever I played, it would have been unreal. But huddle sideline, kids tell you, well, this this didn't happen, this didn't happen. I was like, oh, yeah, well, let me get the iPad. And I go back and look at it, and then I knew I was right. Dude, I absolutely lose it. I'm like, really? Really? Here we go. Look at the play. And I could rewind it, fast forward and rewind it. So it's like live football, and you can correct stuff right there on the sideline. So that's really cool. I never – it's like – game-changing as far as with high school football and with high school players and what they can get teaching and coaching-wise. It's amazing how advanced we are. And, and, I mean, I don't feel like it's been that long since, I mean, because we're, we're about the same age, since we were that age, and, and especially since you were playing at OU. These kids were being born around the time you were playing at OU. So are they are they even aware of, of your resume? Um, a few of the guys have uh, gone and said, hey, yo, coach, man, I went and saw, I looked you up on YouTube. <laughs> Dude, you was crazy when you played. Man, why, man, you was hype, coach. I was like, I don't know, man, I just kind of played with a crazy kind of emotion, but, man, I had fun. It was like, dang, you was that dude, coach. I mean, bro, I mean, how was it? How was it running in the field and all this? I was like, man, it was cool. It was, everything was cool. It was like, 
But nah, coach, explain it to me. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain it to them. But uh, it's just, you know, some of them have gone in uh, YouTube, some of the stuff and, and how I played and said, man, coach, you were you're pretty legit when you played. So these, these kids, uh, they a few of them know uh, and all that stuff. And then um, when I first got the job, I got off of Twitter right when I got the job. Uh, and so I had all these followers on Twitter, so I didn't. I got off of it, and then I had to get back on to, to promote the kids. So I wish I'd have never got rid of my Twitter before, because now I have to grow it all back again. To you know, because coaches, everybody's on Twitter now. Um, so for these players that I have, I want those guys to get recognized, I guess. So I just kind of tweet out their videos and highlights and all that stuff. By the way, what is the new Twitter handle? At Coach Rufus four two. All right, at Coach Rufus42, the old football number. So give Rufus a, a follow, yep. especially if you were one of the many followers before. And uh, let's get him back up to yep. like 20,000 or 30,000. Yeah, man, I, 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 I act a freaking fool on the sideline, though. Sam did – you know what's crazy is Sam did my first game. He called the first game that I coached it. We lost to PC North. But I'm sure Sam saw me on the sideline, pacing the sideline, absolutely <laughs> going nuts on my kids. He was like, oh, man, that kid's in trouble. What's been the biggest challenge as far as, like, coaching with, I guess, during this COVID period? Have you found any obstacles that you wouldn't have anticipated because of co- that they're, like, COVID-related? I mean, it's not to say you. There's obstacles. It's the challenges that you know are going to be there. Uh, you don't have a spring. You couldn't weight train with these kids so you gotta minim- try to minimize their their reps that they get as they get into shape and also you know kids not being acclimated to getting hit and all that stuff so it's a little bit different there's some things that you gotta kind of have like a little check box as to what they are physically because if you would have had a weight training they would have been stronger as far as ligaments and all that stuff ankle strength and change of direction and speed and be not be not pulling a hammy or not hurting a shoulder and all that stuff. Their body would be better to withstand the hitting and the physicality it takes with football. Um, all because, you know, we didn't want to go in a weight room and have them in closed, confined spaces. So COVID wouldn't be all over and having to wipe down 3 million times a day. Uh, so we just kind of kept them outside and kind of kept the kids spread out. Well, the, the thing that is crazy is kids make a good play and they all gather together and they all <laughs> right. high-fiving and everything. So it's kind of like, hey, no. Now we do this whole get your Yodis up so you put your finger up and you give a, give a Yodi, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of just a different thing where you, you, you catch yourself getting involved with the kids and then you get them all on the bench and like, hey, sit down. Everybody sit down. Come together. And then everybody's around each other. You're like, oh, dang, I can't do that. I need to spread these kids. You know, so it's just Weird things like that and the the weird part of football is everybody's so used to being so together and being so buddy-buddy and high-fiving and all that stuff. And when you're coaching, you're coaching close groups. You don't coach separated and getting each person individually. Um, so those are kind of the unique changes, things that COVID kind of, you know, have the, the challenges it, it's been. But I think like that's the biggest challenge is the physicality part of it, not being able to be in the weight room and train the way you typically would. Uh, everything had was a delay. And for us, we were a new coaching staff, so that was a huge challenge as well because hiring people during COVID 
was uh, pretty difficult for for Coach uh, Whitson whenever we were down there. Whenever he was coming from Indiana to coach here, he was hiring people miles away. And then when he got here, hey, y'all can't even come together and meet the kids until we get word from Oklahoma City Public Schools that you can meet with the kids. You just have to almost unlearn your normal like football behavior, I guess. I've seen some criticism here and there about like, you know, these guys don't care. They're all like close together. And I'm like, I don't think it's, it has anything to do with them not caring or not being concerned. You kind of forget and you kind of get lost in what you're doing. You just kind of go to your natural behavior. Yeah, it's, mad, it's habit. I mean, that yeah. is habit. That's like at the OU game. Everybody's coming to the game. They're tailgating. It, people can have all the masks on that they want. But as you start drinking beers and stuff and you see people you know and you offer them a beer, everybody's going to get closer and closer and closer together. And then there's a crowd. I mean, it's just – if they're not – and that's for OU football, for any football. They're not going to do it. They can't do tailgating. They can't have anybody in the stands because if they're going to have anyone in the stands, people are going to tailgate. And then when people are going to tailgate, they're going to gather. Then if you're going to have the game with no fans, people are going to gather at each other's houses. It's, they're, they're, it's, it's so hard to tell somebody to do something that they're so familiar with and football Saturdays in Oklahoma is just something that every most people have done since they was a little kid all the way up so now these are young teenagers doing the same thing the adults are doing the same thing they've always done as far as if they don't come to the stadium and watch it on TV they have all their friends over it's hard to do what everybody's telling everybody to do is that hey stop being human and now just be a secluded person at your house and do nothing. Uh, I think that's an impossible ask and an impossible task for anybody to do. Uh, and, and you saw it Saturday at OU and why they're trying to make changes to what's going to happen outside of OU on campus because they're saying that people don't care about other people and all this and that stuff. People just are living. I mean, that's, that's what I look at it as. People are just living their lives, not you know, not that they don't care. They're just going about living their lives. It's crazy because this was the first weekend where I think for long periods of time, like I just got completely lost in football and just, you know, like having game day food. And it actually felt like a normal weekend to a degree for the first time in a long time. Well, if you were in Campus Corner, it was a little weird. It was a little, it was <laughs> kind of bare. It was bare, man. And, I mean, they had people that were there. People were scattered about. But, whew, it wasn't a lot of people. I was like, whoa, this is very weird. Because usually the Mont is packed. And I was at the Mont. And, I mean, they had a good crowd of people, but not, you know, what, is, what it typically is. And we have a, a crew that goes there normally all the time. And we all kind of hang out at the same part. And our crew wasn't as big as it usually is. So it was kind of like, man, this is so weird and just can't wait for things to get back to normal just to hang out with a friend without a concern of somebody either saying hey where's your mask or walking up on you and or, or you know just or somebody may hear pretty I mean here they're going to be trying to give tickets for not having a mask or at an appropriate time or something so it's going to get it's going to get strange hopefully it gets better soon how worried were you in terms of you guys actually having a season at PC? You know, we were, we were pretty concerned because our first game against Enid got canceled. We were practicing with the knowledge of, hey, the school is not going to 
no sport started off. I mean, that's how it started off. We're not going to have any sports. And then it started off, we're going to allow football. And then it just kind of, you know, trickled in and people keep, it kept allowing us to do more and more uh, of what we can. Um, so it, it, after the Enid game, I figured we were worried. We, I was worried we weren't going to have a season. And after Norman, Norman North didn't happen too. That was kind of a big one. I think there was a few other big rivalries that didn't happen. And I was like, man, whoa, I don't know if the season will happen. But then I just, I think fans and people, the kids that are playing and the, the moms and the dads were pretty much getting to the point where, hey, what the heck? This is the infection rate of this and all this and that stuff. And they just started, their voice has gotten louder. And I think that's where now you kind of get to that point where you have that push-pull. And now the pulling is coming on the other side because everybody's talking about shutdown. This is going to be this. Everybody's wearing masks. Masks should take care of it. And now you're telling me the masks are not taking care of it. It's just slowing it down. But we still have all these numbers, and people are getting more and more pissed. And so now here you go. Deer Creek's over there having a little battle for their kids to go back to school full-time five days a week. Um, I mean, other places are kind of going along with it. Chicago, I mean, you see in Chicago, they ain't even let them have any sports in the middle of Chicago. All the outskirts, all the outskirts places are having sports. I think one place in the middle is not having any sports. And the parents are absolutely flipping out. I think in Connecticut, they had the same thing. The, they wouldn't let them play sports. And every parents and students and all of them are holding rallies and, you know, and going to places. So people are gathering together. I mean, it's just, I don't think you can stop it. I think you'll, you'll, you'll have the anger will be, just more and people will be together and rallying and at your house talking about let the kids play. But what do you do then? Everybody's together. It's certainly tough. I don't know that there's that anybody's figured out the right way to do things, right? I think it's it's just kind of a trial and error and do your best to navigate your way through this shit sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's no answer. I mean, I yeah. wish I had the answer. I mean, everybody wish they had some kind of answer. There's no correct way to do it, but the person that tell you this is the right way to do it, and I have the answer. The person that usually typically is typically wrong in how they should handle it, and usually gets criticized. So uh, it's going to be tough, man. And um, hopefully, they come up with a vaccine that'll ease people's mind and ease the tension in the world, and allow allow us to get back to some uh, some normalcy uh, and work back to what work back in the other direction instead of the direction that we're going in. So you mentioned you were at Campus Corner for the OU game, which think of the Sooners. I mean, I know Missouri State is probably the worst opponent Oklahoma has played since, I mean, before you were there. I I don't know know how far you would have to go back to find an opponent that bad, but I almost feel like I have to give that disclaimer before I say anything positive because there's always going to be the guy, no matter what you say, that's like, well, it was Missouri State. Everybody's going to look good against Missouri State, which is true. At the same time, I mean, I, there, there are against, things that you can we, point we at. Did not, we definitely did not play against the top conference in college football, the Sun Belt, but yeah. we didn't play anybody <laughs> from that. So that's the best conference in college football, the Sun Belt. Did the Sun Belt get an automatic <laughs> bid to the college to football playoff after this weekend? It, it's close. I think I'm going to give them a bid. I think I'm giving them a bid. I'm giving ULL a bid right. to go to the ship. Oh, and what they an got embarrassment that was for the Big 12. But, I mean, for OU, uh, they went out and did what they were supposed to do. Um, I was expecting more points. I was expecting 70, 80 points. I mean, I want 70 points. I want you to go full throttle. And that's been the case with OU is whenever 
that's what happened against Georgia. You know, you take your foot off the gas, freaking Georgia comes back and wins the game. Uh, I'm looking for 60, 70 points. But they they pitched a shutout, which was awesome. I mean, you, you love that. You love those guys going out there, especially for a young defense with some fresh new faces. Uh, and for OU, you know, I think they were more trying to get out of there healthy. Uh, you had a lot of guys that wouldn't play because of COVID. Uh, so you, you kind of had to really paper back a little bit, I guess. Um, big concerns is they they couldn't really run the ball against Missouri State. I mean, you know, the offensive yeah. line and running the ball wasn't it wasn't great. I mean, I saw them in the red zone, and it wasn't like, hey, they blowing these guys off the ball. It wasn't it wasn't some good stuff. So I think uh, they need to get figure out a way to run the ball. This kind of carries carries over from last year. They, they struggled to run the ball sometimes last year as well. So looking at them right now. Um, if they can improve on that, I think the way uh, Rattler's throwing the ball, they're going to be really good. Uh, I mean, they can be yeah. almost damn near unstoppable. Um, I mean, the young wide receiver, Mims, I mean, whoa, who, where did that kid come from? He can play. I mean, he's a breath of fresh air. He's he's a kid that, you know, softens the blow of the Hazelwood injury. I mean, that kid, he, he's a, he's dynamic of a player. And to miss him for the season is gonna is, is not good. But uh, Mims comes in there and gives you another weapon. Um, you, you look at you, you look at your boy uh, Charleston Rambo. Man, he he looked good. He was explosive. He did some good things in the game. Uh, Theo Weiss. I mean, you just have yeah, so many weapons. Have weapons. So all, many weapons all over the place, and you can keep going on and on and on. And the offensive line. I mean, they played really well. I think. Uh, Swenson's, I mean, he's still your weak link on the right side. Um, but, I mean, he's not going to be your starting guy. I think it's somebody else. Gonna just, you think the person that's going to be the starter had COVID. So, the, the freshman, what's um, his name? Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Is it Anton Harrison? Yeah, I believe Anton Harrison is going to be the guy that's supposed to be your starter. Uh, I mean, you saw him struggle a little bit in the game, get worked around a little bit as well. I mean, he did that last year. So, I'm not a big – I'm – from what I saw, I'm not. I'm just not sold on that side of where he's at, and, and him being being uh, a steadfast starter there. Um, but after that, you look on the defensive side, man. New names all over the place. They look big on, on defense, which is awesome. I mean, their their size is is legitimately different than what it once was. Uh, Grimes is a that kid is huge, and he's a true freshman, isn't he? But he was massive. Kids big, Winfrey's a big kid. Yeah, I mean you got kids up. I mean they just look absolutely the real deal up front. Um, Awebu looks like a monster out there. Yes, Awebu is huge. I mean Isaiah Thomas is a different kid from what he was, and you're just starting to see the tide change uh, in guys and how people, how kids look. Um, They play well on the back end. Um, but again, like I said, we prefaced that with saying it was Missouri State, so we have to wait and see yeah. until they play somebody with some kind of pulse. Because <laughs> I don't think Missouri State <laughs> knew what they were in for. But I think it started off with the first dang snap, and uh, Osamwa goes and then near kills somebody. So that kid, he's been chomping at the bit, ready to prove that he's 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 everything he's been advertised coming out of high school so he looked good I mean everybody looked good in that game and so 
it's all about these kids continuing to grow. Uh, you got a week off in these odd times. Um, but I'm high on them, but I'm also going to wait till they play some good competition. And Texas looks like they're going to be a good team this year, at least offensively, from what they showed in the game. Defensively, they got a safety yeah. that quit, but yeah. it is what it is. You know, you mentioned the offensive line. We all just kind of assumed that you bring back four of the five, based on the opening depth chart, four of the five are returning starters. And there's just a natural assumption, despite maybe the inconsistencies a year ago, that this group is going to be better. And especially because you also have one of the elite offensive line coaches in college football at the helm. But you also, I think, to a degree, have to understand, like, maybe we need to limit our expectation of how much better this group is going to be. Because, I mean, you made this point earlier with with your high school kids. There was no offseason for these guys. There was no spring football. There's been limited availability in the fall. And certainly from a physicality standpoint, that's been extremely limited. So while I think we all expect them to be better, I think it's reasonable to say, I don't know how much better because they've not had the opportunity to, to go through all the things that make you better in an off season. Right. I mean, you don't go through a spring. You don't, you go through what half of a spring. Um, you go, you barely go through a two, you barely go through a summer workout. I mean, the look of your team is very different. Uh, the movement of the team is going to be different. So, um, guys, for them, for them to come out, look the way they look, to be in shape and do the things that they did, a lot of guys took their craft serious. And that's something that you can appreciate as a coach. They took their craft serious. But also as a coach, you still got to worry about somebody's physical health going out there. If they're not up to par weight-wise and all that stuff, coaches are not going to put them out there. So, Again, this is a this is one of those things where guys have to be pretty much on their own game and pretty much be responsible for themselves and do their work. Um, so, I mean, that was cool to see uh, those guys come out there. You didn't have any injuries also coming out of it. So all those things are a, a bunch of positives, and I think that's a lot of things that K-State and those guys ran into. I think K-State ran into an L, uh, a ULL team that's been working out. I don't think ULL teams took this whole quarantine thing serious at all. They went straight got after it <laughs> uh, in Louisiana. And I went, I was home. I went home during the whole coronavirus stuff. And I mean, I'm telling you, people were gathering. And they, they had a crawfish boil one weekend. And I'm like, dang, ain't nobody really caring at the, at the height of it. So um, you, you look at that, I, I think K-State may have took it a different way. I mean, some, some people went the route that Navy went. And Navy got absolutely demolished whenever they say, we're not going to do any tackling. Oh, we're going to social brutal, distance man. play football. And they got brutally whooped. They got put behind the shed and beat up. And that's, I think, you know, K-State may have had those situations. I mean, Kansas is Kansas. I mean, oh, who did Kansas? Coastal Carolina, Coastal right? Coastal Carolina, yeah. Lost to Coastal you, you Carolina know, for the I second mean, straight season. Yeah. So you lose to Coastal Carolina. I'm t- if I'm less miles, I will not ever ever schedule them again. Don't ever when they say anything about Coastal, you just go ahead and <laughs> take it out of your head and just be done with it. But Kansas needs to be scheduling Missouri schools, State, honestly. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, for a first game, man, and for 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 some small conferences, these are games where they can sneak up on people because they're, like I said, it's just, it's not the same. Uh, the, the preparations is not the same 
And, and so it, it was fun to see football. And I'm so happy we got to see football and it's out there for people to go do. I think some people need an escape to get away from just being so angry at each other. Uh, and sports, I mean, we don't realize how big sports play a role in bringing either one, bringing people together, or two, giving people a break and maybe giving people a time to take a deep breath and just clear their mind and watch something else besides what's on the news or what's going on in the country and all that stuff. You've got to give some of these issues a certain amount of attention while also understanding that a lot of people are consuming sports to get away from a lot of that stuff. So like you don't want to ignore important issues while also giving people the escape of sports. Right. There's a double edged sword, but I mean, I think more people are tuning into the game, like maybe 20 minutes into it. So they miss all the stuff that goes on in the beginning. Um, I mean, there's no fans in the stands for the NFL. So, I mean, most people didn't tune into the game until probably later on after everything, after everybody says their message and all this and that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it, it's people want to make a stand. And, and there's a lot of things that, pe- that, that needs to be said that needs to be brought up also. But there's also, um, like you said, those people that go to get away from it um, and to try and say that I'm going to demand the NFL do something to make this happen so people stop and listen, is you, you're getting the reverse effect of it too. So now you're just getting the people that don't want that came just to watch football and then the people that's on the other side. I'm com- you know, And you, you're getting this constant fighting over just the social justice, situ- the social justice message. And a lot of stuff, like I said, needs to be addressed. And there's so many different ways you can address those things. Um, but I would still say to people who get into the and, and talk about the whole social justice stuff, it's like, what are you? What have you been doing? And what are you doing to correct or fix or try to uh, apply something to it? I mean, I, I like what. Uh, Kenny Stills did. I mean, Kenny Stills, he was out there in it. I mean, he, he went there. He got arrested. I mean, it's, I would have tried to figure out, me personally, I would have went out in a better way, but he is, he is about what he's doing. But there's some people that's doing it, well, yeah, social justice because I'm black, and then do nothing on the back end of it. You know? Uh, and I think that's the part I think people sometimes turn and frown their eyes at. If you don't vote, if like like they had a stat that came out about half the half the football players, NFL football players, are not registered to vote or don't vote. I mean, how are you doing your part if you're not doing? I think it's NBA, it's NBA or NFL. I don't know which one it was. I don't want to say say something wrong, but I think some of them wasn't registered to vote. And so we're talking about this racial inequality, justice, and all this that stuff, and we're not doing the small, simple things to figure out how to better equip society. Uh, and all those things could be done privately. All those things could be done behind the scenes. You don't have to do it in right. the me- in the confines of the NFL, right, or in the grand media of the NBA. For me, I, that's where I'm at. I'm like, why does it have to be the NBA's issue whenever you have this platform? LeBron James has millions and millions and millions of followers. Why can't you gather your followers and then have the followers and talk about these things instead of having to do it in an NBA press conference where pretty much a lot of people is going to be on ESPN. LeBron said this in his press conference. That's where I differ from a lot of people. That's where I differ from a lot of people. Let the sport be the sport. 
But then if there's something that's publicly that could be done by the masses, I think the masses would get behind LeBron James in a setting of we talking about things that affect us instead of doing it via social media up on this big ass podium and everybody down here has to see it on TV and the interaction with all the people is not there or, or have that interaction with the people from town to town. I don't know if he's doing that. He may be doing that, but you don't, I haven't seen it here in Oklahoma. I have, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's where I differ from the whole being in the NFL, doing it all on TV. I mean, okay, I get it. Everybody's angry, but what is what is our next step to get things corrected and fixed? I was pretty shocked on the first Thursday night of the NFL where they did the unitings. Everybody the stood up and when they and they yeah the like it, to me there's just so little understanding for anyone else's point of view and people were so anti kneeling. For some, the message wasn't getting through because they just put up this wall immediately because they felt like the country or the troops or somebody was being disrespected. And I'm, I'm like looking at this and I'm saying, okay. maybe you should reevaluate it. I'm not saying don't kneel. I'm saying maybe reevaluate it because your message is, is getting twisted and turned and it's not getting through. And then they do that and they, they stand arm in arm and they still get booed. And it's like, why? What, what's I happening? What happened? What didn't like didn't the Texans go in the locker room and the national anthem was playing? Did they? I, I didn't know that. I believe the I did believe when the national anthem was playing, I think one team wasn't out. Gotcha. And then whenever it came time to do the United Unity thing, they came out and then they did the United thing. And that, I believe that's what it was. I'm almost certain that's how it went down. And they booed and. I, and I'm with you on that. You cannot, I mean, at some point, I mean, you're booing a certain situation and I don't think people, people get what the, some people are just angry. Yeah. And some people, and and I, like you said, is the football and the people trying to get away from it. And then it's, you know, I believe it's, it's also the whole thing surrounding the national anthem. I, I, I do think though, I'm almost certain that, the Texans wasn't out for the national anthem, and then they were out for the unity part of it. So people were booing them for not being out for the anthem, then. Right. Okay. I think okay. I believe that's how it. I believe that's how it went. I mean, I'm almost mm, probably like eighty five percent sure, but that's what. So it's kind of a catch twenty two, and like we're saying, it's you, you look at you look at people on both sides of it, and every, and the message is getting twisted, and everybody's trying to use this. Um, I have this platform and I have all these people and they need to follow me. That's like the same thing with the, with OU football players. I got this platform and I'm famous and all this and that stuff. I mean, for the most part, yes, you have this platform, but whenever you have that platform also comes the people that follow you on these platforms are also some of them on the opposite side of what you believe also. And you're going to get that push pull all the time. You're going to get that fight. So if you're in it for the fight, we got to be in it and ready to fight either side that come with it and everybody's not going to agree on what everybody stands for what everybody believes but you also got to respect what the other person believes and what the other person stands for unless it's you know something that's egregious you know and and so I'm I argue with I argue with a lot of people I mean just is this is this in me and for me I I 
I appreciate a person's point of view, but I also have a point of view of my own. And so it, it gets, it gets to the point where you're, you're at a point where you think you're, you're not getting through to anybody and you're stuck on your side and I'm stuck on my side. And I say, and I always tell people, if that's how you feel you need to do stuff. Hey, look, more power to you. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just telling you where I stand. Well, how can you stand it? I'm like, I'm just telling you, this is where I, this is how I see it. Yeah. I see it this way out of my eyes. I was, I grew up and I was brought up this way. I came up on both sides of the coin and this is how I grew up and this is how I got to where I'm at. And this is why I feel the way I feel. You grew up this way and this is how you went through life. And this is what you went through. I, I feel this way. You feel that way. That's it. There's no way you're going to change it. And, and this goes beyond just the, the issues that are in the current climate. But in general, I just wish there was more understanding of anybody having a different opinion. And that, you know, I, I, our world, I think, could greatly benefit from a little bit more of that in, in all aspects. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I mean, this understanding would be good, would be a, a great thing. But I mean, people are like kind of a little bit past the whole understanding part. I think people were past that point at, you know, whenever somebody deemed the whole entire half of people racist and stuff. And that wasn't good. I mean, you, you start saying, well, just because you vote for this person, you're racist. And then it's kind of like, holy crap. That's where we're at as a nation where you just pretty much deem ha- over half the population racist because I say over half, half like 60% of the, I mean, let's say 30, 40% of the population racist after the, some of those people in that same population voted for a black president. I'm like, Whoa, that's, that's real bold. And then you're going to get a lot of pushback off of that. And that's, I think that's where a lot of people get upset at is because it's like, dang, we had our first black president. And then some of the same people that thought as historic and it was like, this is awesome. You know, they believe in how he spoke. They believe in what he said people from on the Republican side voted on the other side and he became, I mean, independents voted for him and a black guy became president that gave other people hope, black kids, you know, young kids, young black kids that hope of, yeah, man, that's what I I mean. I want to be a a part of this X, Y, and Z. And then you get, people come back and tell you once you vote a different way, now all of a sudden you're a racist because you don't believe or you thought you look at stuff different than I look at it. Then you get a fight. And that's why I think the fight really kind of went that way. Then you got people dug in their heels on the other side and people dug in their heels on the other side. And you still have this racial tension that continued to creep in, kept creeping up, kept creeping up and got worse and worse and worse as the years went on. It, it got crazier and crazier and, and you just kind of felt that something was going to happen. And you're at a, you got a tipping point. The, the, the thing that happened with Floyd, with uh, George Floyd became the tipping point of the whole entire thing. Yeah, no question. People feeling uncomfortable in with the COVID conditions. And I think there's, there's just a building amount of stress for everybody. You can only handle so much and, I think people are worried financially. There are a lot of people that that either lost jobs or took pay cuts, just not being able to live their normal lives because of COVID. And then I think that also has an impact maybe on your ability 
to potentially be understanding. I think for the most part, life is lived in that gray area. And, you know, I think sometimes it's either this side is right and this side is wrong or the other way around. And generally there are truths in both areas. It becomes tougher for either side to see the other point of view because you already have all of this this built-in frustration with just the current climate of the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that, that climate's pretty bad. And then you're also looking at, like you said, people losing jobs, people not making, I mean, people not knowing how, how they're going to feed their kids. And then one, their kids ain't even going back to school. So kids are there all day long at the house. And it's like, whoa, parents ain't knowing how to deal with that. I mean, I, like I said, I tip my hat off to the teachers. Um, my daughter is absolutely insane sometimes. And. <laughs> I mean, they having they are not having to have those kids go and be separated from them and just get their time to get their time away, and and so this is that's a that's one of those situations where it's a boiling point because parents see it a certain way they're not they they're stuck with their kids all the time, um, then they're not also not going to they're they're not being able to get back to work and employment and stuff is different. Uh, it's a I mean it's. That's I mean you go you you know you think about it, man, you're you're on the edge of losing your home, your auto, you're not having food to feed your kids. That'll get a lot of people absolutely just nervous and irate too. I'd be angry as well. Yeah. I'm glad that football is back because it was nice to have that escape where it just for for big chunks of time on Saturday and big chunks of time on Sunday, it was like, All right, this is this is kinda normal yeah it was it was i mean it was it was good man i mean just uh and, and not that it was the greatest i didn't i wouldn't i didn't go to the ou game because i'm just couldn't i just couldn't be out there in that atmosphere it just wasn't really it wasn't really that fun it wasn't like man twenty thousand people did not yeah it just doesn't do it for me yeah, the 20,000 people I mean, thing is, is interesting. And, and I wanted to ask you this. I loved the weekend. I loved watching football. And so I don't want this comment to make anybody think that I didn't enjoy the football. But I thought across the board, just the overall level of football was pretty low. It was sloppy. I think you can see how much it impacts these teams not having an offseason, not having all of the stuff that they do to build up to the start of the season. Like I thought that was very evident in in both the college game and the NFL game. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it wasn't it wasn't clean, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I mean, you watch it. I mean, even though the, the Cowboys game, I wonder why did the other teams, my question is why the other teams didn't didn't have fans in there. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Texans have fans there. Is it going to be that way for the NFL all season long? Is it going to be some teams going to have a few people in there? Some teams are not going to have any. Is Kansas City the only team that did it for one game? I think it's a a case-by-case situation. Like in Texas, I believe they're allowing a certain amount of fans in their stadiums. And obviously, like in California, they're overall shut down in a much greater way than we are. You're kind of obligated to follow whatever rules your government has set and so like california is still shut down on a major level texas has opened things up to a much greater degree so they have the availability to to do something but i think i can't remember what game i was watching this weekend but they said they had decided that they were going to do no fans for the first two weeks and then they were going to try like a small percentage in their third week and start trying to see what that looks like and see if they can make it work and 
I mean, I in some places for... in the country, we have kids going to class and some places in the country we don't. So I think it's, it's more than just a football thing. It, I think it just depends what part of the country you live in and what your local government has set the standard at. I call for 85,000 OU fans to rush the stadium. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> like Can torches? you stop it? Let's yeah. be, we in there. I don't care what we in there. You have to arrest 85,000 people and get them out of there. But no, man, it's, it's just – I can't wait to see it get back to normal, but man, just for the guys, I think we're having fans in there is going to be a pretty cool, yeah. unique situation. And but, but what about man? I, I can't get off the phone without talking to you about your Dallas Cowboys. Oh, what was that, dude? I was so angry on Sunday night. I mean, fuming, and a lot of it is because. I rarely have massive expectations for the Cowboys. And this is finally the year where I felt like, from a talent standpoint, they are loaded. I think they are, as from a talent standpoint, as good as anybody in the NFC. And finally, they got rid of Mr. Conservative Jason Garrett. And so I thought, you know what? New coach, new mindset, new mentality to pair with all that talent. It's going to look really good. Or at least different. If it wasn't good, at least it was going to look different. And it was the exact same team, Rufus. They Did they look any different to you than they have in the last few seasons? It was the exact same thing. I think they had to – I mean, they're still running the same offense. Don't they still have the same guy calling the offensive yeah, plays? Yeah, it's still the same guy calling the same offense that never uses tempo, that is predictable and boring and dull. And I don't know how you have – Do you think – all of those weapons, you and you're Jerry that Jones unoriginal. Keep him? Did you make you think Jerry Jones make them make him keep yeah. him on as offensive coordinator? Yeah, and I think it's gonna come a point where you think McCarthy gonna take over and be like, "Hey, look, I'm gonna call the plays. We are gonna tempo it up, and we gonna let's go." After the backlash that they've had over the last 48 hours, that might be coming very soon because that offense was dreadful. How can you have that amount of weapons? Ceedee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard, a mobile – no matter what you think of Dak Prescott, you could Even use him in a way better way than they're currently using him. You have all of that firepower. You're just slow as a snail offensively. Zero creativity. It blows my mind. You never take advantage of the mobility. How many times did they actually get aggressive in the passing game? Because I, I felt like 90% of it was dink and dunk, short three- and five-yard passes – Crazy to watch Sean McVay's offense on one side use as much motion and misdirection and everything else as they use, and then you watch the Cowboys and it's like this 1970s playbook, or it's like it's like the Tech Mobile playbook where it's literally the most basic offensive plays that you can you can create. You line up post corner, <laughs> right? Yes, yes, that's exactly what they're doing. Three, three vert. Oh, <laughs> oh my brutal. god, I watch. But you look at McVay's offense, and they dink and dunk. They adjusted to what the Cowboys are great at. The Cowboys can rush the passer. And yeah. they said, all right, I'm going to just go ahead and get it out of his hands real quick. They dink and dunk down the field. Uh, and for the Cowboys, I mean, they just – I don't know what it was, man. It's just they didn't – like you said, there was not very much motion. They were kind of pretty stagnant as an offense. And it's like you almost can read when Zeke's going to get the ball. Yeah. Whenever I was watching the, the few of it I watched on TV, I'm like, dang, Zeke getting the ball right here. Like, run, pass, run, pass. I mean, it was so easy to tell what their offense was doing. It was very predictable. They should have went ahead and just threw Cliff Kingsbury all the money he wanted to get him to come down to Dallas because <laughs> it seemed like he's very creative over there with Kyler Murray. 
Yeah. And what he's doing. I mean, Bernard, I mean, uh, not Bernard, I was like Hopkins, though. Hopkins, he's over there loving man. life right now. Man, he's 15 a freak, catches. man. 15 catches. First yeah. game, 15 catches. Like, I watch Arizona's Please offense. Get. I watch Baltimore's offense. I watch the Rams' offense. All these teams in the NFL that get creative in, with what they do, and it's it's not just this Tech Mobile playbook, and then you watch the Cowboys, and you're like, this is so boring. I can't understand how that offense is that boring to watch. I don't understand how they don't use more motion or disguise stuff a little bit right? more. Even the 49ers, who has like a 1,000 tight ends, <laughs> are very creative in how they get their people the ball. Absolutely. Blows yeah. my mind. So, it blows my mind. Who do they play They've got Atlanta they this week, next? so that'll probably be a shootout because neither one of those teams plays defense worth a damn. So well, I, the Cowboys play defense, man. The Cowboys are going to be all right defensively. You think so? Yeah, they'll Woof. be okay defensively. Woof, that was bad. They, I thought the interior of the defensive line, I mean, that that to me looks like it's going to be a problem. They got, they, they're going to be okay. They're going to rush the passer. All right. Well, yeah, if, if you get in those they situations, make, they, I think that what you're saying is true, but, yeah, but you have to get, get in that situation first, yeah. Oh. Get ran. If you can stay in second and medium, second uh, second and medium, third uh, third and five or four, you're good. You can roll on. You probably will be successful against them. Give me your opinion on Jalen Smith in that game because I, I think he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL, but that might have been the worst I've ever seen him play in a Cowboys uniform. And, and again, this is credit to Sean McVay. With everything that he does offensively, it kind of seemed like Jalen Smith was lost for a good majority of the game. Yeah, I think with every he has so much window dressing for him, and it started making him yeah. pay attention to other things. And you also saw, I mean, I think you see the same. The the NFL has the same issue that college has, that high school has. The whole COVID thing as well just kind of plays a big part in how people prepare and what they look like. Also, um, so you have all those things, man. We are unchart- we are in uncharted waters. And then Cowboys took a what a massive blow at linebacker as well. Yeah, Lee got hurt. Somebody got hurt. That was Vander has got hurt, and that's going to hurt him also because you may have a guy that Smith is used to having next to him that knows his stuff. I mean, it's just it plays now. It's when it's all on your back at linebacker, man. It'll show, man. Every little mistake becomes even bigger. So I think he'll bounce back. I think defensively they got they had to get their pride. Get, they have to have to get them get a little smack of their pride and stuff and get them back down to earth. I think they'll they'll bounce back and they'll play better. Uh, I, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I think they'll play they'll play a lot better. Um, and and I, I feel C.D. Lamb is going to be one of those guys that become a star in this offense if Dak Prescott just you know kind of let the ball go a little bit. Yeah, he's got to he's got to be less conservative. Here's what drives me insane. And I don't know how many Cowboys games you watch, but there's a constant situation where he throws the ball short, he doesn't push the ball down the field, and I think a lot of that is because it's such a slow-moving offense. He never really feels the urgency within that offense, but if you watch them in two-minute drills at the end of the first half and at the end of a ball game, all of a sudden they start playing with tempo, and I think just the natural speed of the offense when they get in those situations somehow within him, I think, gives him more urgency to start pushing the ball down the field. And all of a sudden, like the whole field opens up and they start moving the ball and getting chunk yardage. Yeah. I mean, most of the teams in the NFL use kind of a tempo-ish kind of offense where you get to the line, they move people and all that stuff. I mean, you know, we slayed the dragon again. We we slayed the dragon and Tom Brady and 
and uh, we're worthy of Tampa Bay, you know, yep. with the Saints, you know, how we do it, you know. I know, we, I know. But you, you watch Drew Brees. Drew Brees comes up there. He temples a little bit. He, he gives guys to the line when they huddle. They huddle real quick. Everything is crisp. They move people. It's just it's a different feel to the offense. And, every like, you look at the Cardinals. I mean, with a young coach, young quarterback, their offense is so refreshing and watching the different things that they do. And then you got – you got other guys. You just can keep going down the line with the young coaches that are doing stuff, and you just see like a breath of fresh air and how they play in the game and how they're moving the ball and different unique things they're doing. I mean, what Andy Reid does with Mahomes is just unreal. I mean, they look like they're going to repeat again as a, as, as a Super Bowl champion yeah. the way they're playing. I, I'm just – I think the Cowboys with the weapons that they have, you got to give them a little bit, a little bit more time just – I know for you, for a cowboy fans, saying a little bit more time is, <laughs> is, is, is not what you want to hear. But you have a new coach that's there, yeah. And so you have some growing pains. You got a new head coach. It's gonna be a little bit of growing pains until he says, "You know what? I'm tired of this. More, give me the damn clipboard." And now I'm gonna call this the way I want to call it. I just want to see something different it. offensively because it's the exact same thing that they've been running for a couple years. And here's what happens every year: they put up monster numbers against bad teams. They struggle against good teams, and at the end of the day, they, they rank as one of the better offenses in the league. But it's a little bit misleading because in the big games, it's a little fluff in there. Yeah, yeah you got yeah, all that, you got yeah. all that fluff in there. Yeah, I, you, you you play against the you play against the top teams, and you got. 14, 21 points, and you play against a bad team, you put up 40 and 50 points. Right. Yeah. It was like last year, I, I forget who it was they had played. They had beat up on some bad team, and then a week later they played the Saints, and they score like 10 points. I mean, that's that's a really good example of what happens. 17 against the Rams. Like, once they step up in competition, that offense looks very average. And this team is only – I mean, this team is going to win – because their offense is good. If you're saying the defense is better, that's fine, but they're never going to be a defensive first team. They're only going to reach their their top potential if the offense is hitting on all cylinders. So that's what has to happen, and it has to be better against the top defenses in the league. By the way, I did pick your Saints to beat the Cowboys in the NFC Championship, so I have your Saints in the Super Bowl. Let's go. I mean, I think this is Breeze's last year. Yeah. I think he's not. he can't take the the criticism and all the stuff he done took, I would retire because this league, like the climate in the NFL is going to get a little bit more crazy. Are you concerned and about him? Better. I didn't think he looked that good on Sunday. Nope. I think, I think his old, the old arm, man, is not there anymore, man. Yeah. I think it's going to be, we gonna, it may be time for old Bridgewater to get in there and get some of his action. Oh, we got, no, we Bridgewater's Bridgewater in Carolina anymore, now. They got, uh, yeah, Carolina, my bad. We got Jameis Winston. Yeah, we going to need old crab legs to get in there and get something done. And get her done, man. I think Jameis Winston's going to play a few games this year. I'm almost positive he's going to play a few games yeah. this year because I don't, I don't think Drew Brees is going to make it to the end of the year. Remember how Peyton Manning's last say. year, it just looked like all of a sudden there was no velocity on his football when he threw it? That's kind of how I felt well, that, about Brees on Sunday. That's been, but that has also been Tom Brady for the last few years in um, in New England. Yeah, he can't throw the deep ball with any kind of consistency because he can't get the velocity on the ball as yeah. much as he used to. The arm dies, man. Gotta let it go. And I think that's where Drew Brees is at. And I, I think we're gonna see a little bit more of that. I just think the pace, the the, the Buccaneers were just a little bit worse than than we were. <laughs> but yeah. As far as quarterback goes, I don't see Drew Brees finishing this thing. Is, out. is Brady washed? And I'm a and I'm a Saints fan. Oh, Brady's done. <laughs> he was done when he left New England. They need to stop it. They need to look. Bill Belichick 
went to a heavy run offense the last few years for the Patriots and then required Brady to make minimal mistakes. And I'm not saying make minimal mistakes or allow him to win the game towards the end of games. And everything was dink and dunk. Dink and dunk down the field and had a few down the field, but most of it was dink and dunk, easy throws. But he was heavy run. They picked up Michelle, and Sonny Michelle was awesome for him. I mean, go back and look at the games. I mean, they were they were doing stuff where it was quick one-two pass, one-two pass. He throw it left, throw it right. Guys making little small plays here and there, offensive line, mauling people. That's what Tom Brady needs right now. He is not going to be able to take a team, put them on their back, and just freaking kill it. Yeah. No matter what kind of avocado ice cream you eat. <laughs> at some point, yeah. I think it's no matter what that diet is, whatever that book was that he came out with, with all the weird stuff that he eats, at some point it comes to an end. And it, it kind of looked that way on Sunday, man. I, I, I am at least willing, because of the lack of an offseason like we've talked about throughout this podcast, I am at least willing to say new team, new coach, new offense, and completely new teammates so I'm at least willing to give a little bit of leash there and not completely write no. him off, but ooh, it looked bad. I'm writing him off. I, I wrote him off You're last year. It. You're calling it. It's over. It's done. Last year he had a great team. That's not say a great team. He had a good team surrounding yeah. him. Had a strong, strong run game last year. He needs a strong run game, and he needs a dink and dunk wide receiver. Uh, Evans is a down the field guy. You're not going to be able to make him a dink and dunk guy. He is down the field, make big plays in the air. Gronkowski is not the same Gronk. No. Gronk need to go ahead, retire again, and go back to smoking the weed. I, I'll be interested to see what it looks like. I'm not ready to quite write him off completely, but it doesn't look good. I, I want to ask you this. Right, well, going back to the college game, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 decide to opt out. The Big Ten is going to come back into the, the mix. A lot of these players, especially like high-end potential NFL draft picks, especially after the opt-out, were like, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to get ready for the NFL draft. If you're in that situation, are you going back to the team or do you continue your draft preparation? Hell not. If I'm filled, if I'm D lineman, I'm done. I'm out. I mean, they're going to have to get ready, what, here in two weeks, three weeks, three or four weeks to get ready. So in October, yeah. they're going to be ready to play and got to compete at a level with the other people that's been playing for three or four weeks. So that's not fair to those guys. I'm done. I mean, Phil ain't got nothing else to prove in college. Some of those other guys at Ohio State has nothing left to prove in college. Phil is a top pick. There's not very many quarterbacks going to be better than he is. He's a day one guy. Yeah. I am returning for that. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't return for that to save my life. That's it. I'm out. Especially if I'm a, especially if my grade is a, is a, is a first round pick grade. I'm out. Count me out, boss. What about the guys that are like, how many, like round three guys? Are you coming back for that? Nope, I'm round three. I'm out. Top three rounds, I'm out. I'm not coming back. Not yeah. return. Not coming back to practice for this. I mean, I might as well finish and go ahead and just prepare for the draft. Man, the the Big Ten really fucked this thing up. Oh man, did they? Yeah. I mean, how did they go? How do you side with the big with the Pac-12? You remember the movie Jerry Maguire where he gets fired and it's a scene money. where he's like, "Who's coming with me?" And nobody follows except for the secretary. Yep. Like, and that's exactly what happened State. with college football. That was the Big Ten being like, who's coming with me, expecting all the other conferences to follow suit. And the only one that came was the Pac-12, and everybody else was like, okay, see ya. We're going to play football. <laughs> yep. SEC said they were staying in it. Big 12 said they were staying in it. I said, shit, once the SEC said they are staying in it, they'll do a round robin and go ahead and play. Everybody would say, well, SEC is yeah. the best conference anyway, so we also we want to see anyway. And that would have been done it also. So – 
I'm proud of the guys that stayed and stuck in with it, stuck in with it. But the Big Ten, man, I don't know how to get those kids that have first round draft potential to stay and to come back and play football after they've opted out. Because once you opt out, can you opt back in? I think technically you can. I mean, I guess unless you've hired an agent, and then that would make you ineligible, right? Right. So look, Kennedy Brooks, is is he opting out to go prepare for the league, or is he opting out to play another year next year? Like, what is he? My understanding was he was opting out for the for COVID reasons, or at least that's the way that I felt like it was presented. Now, that doesn't mean that's true. That's just the my interpretation of the way that they presented that information. Okay, so he's opting out for COVID, and that would be the same thing with Redmond. He's opting out for COVID, or is he opting out to prepare to get the hell out of here? Because he's had the shortest life of any any player there, and somebody would be drafting him just off of potential. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what his draft stock would look like right now. I mean, you're talking about very limited college action, so uh, I, I can't imagine yeah. that. I mean, he could certainly use another year or two, but yeah, yeah I'm with I, you. I, I don't I don't know the the behind the scenes conversations in in that scenario, but and here's the other thing, and you can speak to this. You have to have a certain mindset to compete at that level, and I think once you kind of make your mind up that you know what I'm done with this season, I'm I'm turning that switch off and I'm I'm turning the switch on to go in another direction. To me, it would seem like it would be hard to go back to you know to feel like you're going backwards in a way. Right. Uh, but is this, the preparation of it is so different now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if if Ohio State puts out a good product, I don't think the rest of the Big Ten puts out the same type of product that Ohio State has because Ohio State has the talent to do that, to turn it off and on. I mean, a lot of those guys, I ain't playing football, well, so I ain't doing nothing. I'm going home or something like I mean, have that kind of attitude, but. Um, but what about if you're you're Ronnie Perkins? Does Ronnie Perkins opt out because I mean he's not going to play the first five games? I think I think he plays. He plays. I yeah. opt out. And do you when you opt out, Bill? Do you get another season? Well, everybody gets another season. I'm opting out. They did the eligibility waiver, out. right? So everybody yep. gets I'm another opt- season, no matter what. I'm opting out. I'm going to come back and play next year. Yeah, there you go. Let's catch up after OU plays some real opponents and kind of talk about what the expectations are. Hell yeah! All right, take care. All right, bye. Podcast is over.